When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Yo, what's good? What's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to episode 87. Happy episode 87 of Five Night College, I should say. Happy Friday to everybody who's nearly made it to the end of March. Ash, we've waited all week to get into a soft spot for you, the offensive line. How has your week been, my man? Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. It's been good. It's been a long week of work, but it's been good and it's Friday now, so no complaints. How about you? Yeah, no, I mean, long week. Uh, worked extra today, which is good. Sun's out, so can't complain. 16 degrees it was. Madness. Yeah, shorts weather. It's yeah, getting there, isn't it? shorts weather. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we uh, you've got a funky, for those who are going to be watching on the video show, Ash is wearing quite a funky t-shirt. What you got on there, pal? Uh, it's, a, it's a Hobo Jack t-shirt. It's one of, the, it's one of my main brands that I, I like to wear. It is Ash, so, really? Yeah. It's like I've got a main brand, Hobo yeah. Jack. If it's not yeah. Hobo Jack, I'm not keen. If it's not Hobo Jack, it's five yards. That's, that's all. That's all I wear. But I mean, yeah, it's comfy. <laughs> it, it looks like a good fit, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. A nice, and this is one of the reasons, Rush Nation, why you have to watch the video show. Because you get snippets like this, which are terrible audio. So for the OGs listening, apologies. <laughs> but if you aren't a fan of the video or just haven't come over to watch this, Head over to YouTube, hit the subscribe and the notification bell, give it a little ding-a-ling, and then every time Ash and I, not just us, all the five-yard crews go live, you will uh, get to see their faces, not just in 
audio but also video and then when you see the little five-yard college headline you know it's Ash and me coming at you in i would say high definition but it's whatever you're watching in right i mean we ash and i were conversing just before the show i guess when sort of five o'clock ash you messaged me about michigan's david ajobo and his pro day injury that wasn't too long ago was it no literally broke this afternoon He's, uh, he unfortunately has gone down injured uh, during the pass coverage drills at the pro day. Um, he had to be helped from the field and apparently it's a, a left leg injury. Now they haven't said what type of injury, is it knee, ankle? We don't know what it is at the moment. It's obviously early, early doors, but the fact that he had to be helped off is 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 quite concerning for, for, for a Jobo. Yeah, especially as he was one of the guys who was, as you rightly said, a developmental prospect. But he, he's got yeah. huge upside, but it's going to need some some moulding in the NFL. And for this to happen before the draft, when we considered him perhaps a first-round pick, mm-hmm. what's that going to do to his draft stock now? We'll have to wait and see to what the actual leg injury is, is itself, but it's not going to be good news. No, no, not at all. Like I say, it could have an impact on his on his draft stock if it is a if it is a bad one. Um, and on the flip side, if it if it's not, it shouldn't have too much of a an impact. But as you say, he is a developmental player. He does have incredibly good potential, and he has got the raw talent. He's shown that at Michigan, and and at times he's looked better than his counterpart counterpart Hutchinson. But it all depends on the the severity of this injury and and to how long he's going to be out for. Really, it's a it's a big blow for him. Yeah, there'll be some some people out there screaming at you right now, Ash, saying he was never better than Hutchinson. Hutchinson's <laughs> the best player in the draft class. But I think there's a player in the draft class who deserves to be number one overall when we're going to speak about him very shortly. We've got one more bit of news. It is relating to the offensive line, Ash. I don't know whether you just put O-line news in today or was that all that there was? <laughs> this is Yeah, no, This these are the sort of main talking points, really, that, that's come up over the last week. Apart from draft stuff, it's... Uh, it's all a bit quiet at the moment in the in the college college world. Unsurprisingly, we're in the off season technically. It's just the, the pro days and the build up to the draft now. So yeah, well, it's it's I'm uh, before we do get to the next bit of news. I'm quite enjoying the the laid back nature of sort of just watching a bit of tape. You know, sort of <laughs> chilling back, hands behind head. Whereas the NFL boys are going absolutely bananas with free agency. I know yeah, even you, Ash, have been fairly involved this year. We your Steelers making some FA moves that perhaps they wouldn't normally do but people aren't here for the nfl they don't come for that chat free agency is all over the other parts of the five yard network so if you want to get involved with that head over to there but yeah it's been pretty chill getting a bit of tape watching and stuff but as i mentioned osu's offensive lineman harry miller has announced his retirement from football miller cited mental health issues that pushed him to the brink of taking his own life so it's good that he didn't go that far, Ash. And it's also good that he's realised that stepping away from football was perhaps the right thing for him to do. Yeah, definitely. And he credited Ryan Day for for helping him out and get, giving him the support he needed, as well as the the Ohio State organisation. And he's made the decision that's that's going to be- benefit him in the long term. And and that that's always the right decision to make. Speak to people and and try and get it under control. And if, if football was going to be an impact on that, he's he's, he's decided to, to walk away from it and right, good on him. As you say, he's, first off, he's he's actually acknowledged that that was the reason. It's not often, especially with men, that that they acknowledge mental health issues. So just, just to him to shine a light on that is is a positive in itself. And the fact that he's seeking help and, and has taken this step is, is, is a massive positive for him. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. We... 
We spoke last week, Ash, about you playing the offensive and defensive line, and we're going to get a little bit more into that today because I have a couple more questions based on your playing experience because I think it's a good place for not only me but for other people who have never played for ha- perhaps for them to get a bit of an insight into what, you know, it, it, obviously you're not quite good enough to make the NFL, otherwise you would be there right now, but you have an insight into playing the position and perhaps what, you think makes a good offensive lineman and and I'm sure we'll talk about it as well on the defensive side of the ball when uh you know you 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 said you really enjoyed playing defensive end because you got to really knuckle down and get into the quarterback and never never snaffle yeah. up two people at once because you were you, know, you weren't really the run stopper but with with the offensive line ash what where did you play along the offensive line and did you only have one position uh no I played I played in a, I played across all three positions well five if you if you <laughs> if you're being picky but I played a bit of tackle a bit of guard a bit of center I predominantly played in guard though um and sort of between there and center for for when for the majority of the time I really enjoyed it I loved it center was brilliant obviously it's 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 the line and then a little bit more because obviously you're snapping the ball and then you're having to get yourself set and, and ready. It is, uh, you've got to be incredibly switched on all the time on the line as a whole, but definitely from the center position, because as soon as you snap that ball, you have got to get up <laughs> and get yourself set and ready to engage like instantly. And it's not the sort of thing where as if it's a, a running play or a passing play, if you're a wide receiver, you get to take perhaps that snap off if it's going no. to the other side of the field. It's you were involved on every single play, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent you are involved every single snap of every single play on the offensive side of it. You you never get a break. If you if you think that you've had a break, you have done something wrong. Whether that's <laughs> whether that's your stance, your get off, your engagement with the with the defensive player or your finish. Obviously, we see it in the NFL, we see it at college, we see it on tape, where linemen they don't I wouldn't say they give up, but they don't finish the play. They don't they don't finish the the drive. They release the player maybe a little bit too early and the and the and the defensive play comes off because of that. And you as I say, you've got to be switched on every snap, every second that the that the play is live. And even before from a center, you're calling the you're calling the defensive plays. You're calling who the the Mike linebacker is the one who's calling the defensive plays. So not only are you focused on snapping the ball to your center, uh, to your to your quarterback and and be, and getting ready to get up and engage, but you're also most of the time the centers are the ones that are calling the like I say the Mike linebacker, the the person who's calling the plays on the defensive side. Any any changes or audibles that they make. So and is that also in picking out potential blitzers who might not be yeah. showing so and stuff like that. Yeah, so you have to identify the blitz and call out their number. You, uh, it's yeah. There's a whole. Sometimes it is the guards and, and even the tackles that that call it out. But but most of the time and, and every time that that I played for the team that I played for, it was always the centre's responsibility to to call out those those rush those blitzers and the and the as I say the the Mike linebacker. So there's a whole heap of there's everything going on. It's something that I think is very underrated when watching the game from a spectator's point of view. Because, yes, definitely. because it is, you only ever hear about the good and the bad. You know, if somebody stands somebody up or if somebody puts somebody down or 
if somebody lets somebody go and they get a sack i mean it's 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 not that black and white and i'm very aware of that but the the average line play that keeps stuff on time and moving is very much forgotten about when spectating especially for the casual fan and i think it from what i've learned from you and doing a bit of tape watching stuff and i know we're now getting into the podcast and we haven't even touched on the first player yet but once we get to the players it will be mostly you talking so i'm getting some talking done now it it helps it builds a bigger picture of each play if you understand a little bit what's going on or you realize that he blocked him in a way that meant and a hole opened up or didn't and stuff like that and i don't think it's explained enough on on tv for the casual no. fan to get so much of an understanding i i'd agree with you there yeah if you're not invested in the the offensive line you are you 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 may not fully understand it or or, or pay too much attention to it you, you're completely spot on there and and it's the same with with the the media when on game days whether that's college or the nfl because it's not a sexy position it's not a skilled position so people don't don't pay a great deal of attention to it unless something goes wrong if a lineman's made a mistake a defender has made a play and then it's all it's all in it's all in lights then and then that's when that's when the lineman get the uh get the attention when the mistakes are made and then you get the occasional blow-up play. I'm trying to think who did it last year. A lineman sort of pushed three or four defenders forward on yeah. a run play, and everyone blew up like, this is the best line play you see all season. But these guys are doing it play in, play out, without not any recognition, because that's not quite correct. But they don't get the adulation that the skill position players get. And no, you know, we, well... we see it on the defensive line as well. If you're not an edge, you don't necessarily get the the no. kudos you should probably get for creating havoc elsewhere or no you don't you don't get credit for stuff in the gap ever and you don't get credit for making the gap if if a uh, 90% of the time if a if a running back makes a play in particular through the middle of the through the middle of the line through the defense it's because the gap's been made by the by the linemen. They've they've done their job in the run play that's to move the defenders out the way to create those spaces to create those gaps to pin the defenders in to allow the running back to make that play. They don't get credit for that a lot of the time because the running back, he's the one who's made the play. And don't get me wrong, running backs do make plays out of nothing a lot of the time. We spoke about it last week on the running back show, but yeah, they don't they don't get a great deal of play. And same with the quarterback. If a quarterback has given enough time, if the pocket's clean and the 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 line have kept that pocket clean and the, the quarterback makes a, makes a play from that, it's 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 the quarterback nine times out of ten that gets the uh, gets the credit. Yeah, and you've only got to you've only got to go back and look at the Super Bowl where if Joe Burrow had one more second, he would have found an open Jamar Chase, and the Bengals would have won the Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. and, and that's based on the line. But there wasn't enough of a deal. There was plenty of news about how Joe Burrow was on the floor more times than he should have been last season, and the fact they got to the Super Bowl was outstanding. But there needs to be more emphasis on the guys protecting the quarterback and, as you rightly say, making those gaps for the running back. Because when Dalvin Cook goes blasting up through for a 65-yard run, he, it's never the, the guys making the gap that get any of the credit, really. Um, no. Okay, let's dive into the 2022 draft class. Uh, are we talking all tackles or are there some guards today, Ash? No, it's 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 all it's all of the line tackles, guards, centres. Uh, I've I've mixed them all in, and 
there's a few of these guys that, that are potentially going to be either or or both. So they're, they're, they're all they're all mixed in. They're I believe they are in order of our rankings. Um, okay. There might be a, there might be a couple of discrepancies, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they're all in order of our our rankings at the moment. Sweet. So full disclosure for full disclosure for not only you Ash and Rush Nation who are listening, my offensive line knowledge is well apart from what's in front of me. Ash has kindly provided on the show doc. I'm not really an offensive or defensive. I am predominantly a wide receiver man, and when we come to the wide receiver show, hopefully I I shine a little bit there. So I'm going to be leading Ash into the offensive line, and then we can all sit back, listen to Ash's love for the position. We're going to start with Evan Neal, tackle from Alabama, six foot seven, three hundred and fifty pounds, so a little bit smaller than me. Probably needs to add a couple of pounds. Again, a video joke if you if you listen to the audio. Apologies, Um, Evan Neal. Initially, it was Thibodeau and Hutchinson that possibly were going to go number one overall. Evan Neal has now made himself. I think he's pretty much a lock now to go number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars. In in regards to offensive line and tackles, Ash, is he as good as the guys we saw last year or where does he sit for you amongst the last classes? I would would say so, yes. I think he, he... He would have been... If he'd have come out last year, I think he would have been in that conversation for the first lineman to go. Along with Sewell, I think. I think if I had to put if I had to put money on it now, I'd say Sewell would have probably still gone ahead. I think his overall potential is probably more than Neil, but but Neil's close, and and for me, he's the clear number one tackle and and the number one lineman if as a whole in this draft class. Um, there are very few things wrong with this game and, and what I have seen and what what a lot of people have seen is is nitpicking because he 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 plays the position so well that you are looking for them for the errors that, that he makes and the ones that I pick out bar one are errors he's made on plays in on occasion. It's not a fundamental issue in his game, but but they are there so they have to be picked out. But Strength-wise, first, I think the the most glaring thing about Neil is his size. He's 6'7", 350 pounds. <laughs> he's the perfect size frame for the tackle position. The, he's got the length, he's got the arm length, he's got the overall length, he's got the size, the frame, the mass, and that then moves into his strength. He is an incredibly powerful player, that uses that strength to his advantage. He moves around defensive players, sometimes with relative ease, and drives them back. Like, as I say, sometimes when it doesn't even look like they're there, that they're, that they're moving so freely with Neil, with Neil pushing them around. I think that's the that's the biggest thing for him is, is just how powerful he is and how strong he is against almost everybody he comes up with uh, comes up against. But on top of that, he adds explosive athleticism. Now he's not the he he's quick, but he's not the quickest because, of course, he's six foot seven. He's three hundred and fifty pounds. But what he has is explosive power off the snap in the engagements that he gets out of his stance. He engages early. He catches defenders off guard and off balance. That's 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 key on both sides of the ball a lot of the time for defensive and offensive line is catching the person in front of you 
off balance. If you get someone off balance, it doesn't matter how strong they are. If you get them off balance and you can start driving them, it's very, very hard for them to recover from that. By the point, if they do recover from it, the play's already gone on, on either side. Neil is is one of those players that is, is incredible at that. He He gets off quick. He's strong enough to move the defender off balance and then he can just do with them what he wants. He's also able to move his body to counter those more agile speed rushers, as we call them, to to swing who are trying to swing around the edge. He's he's quick enough to react, to turn his body, to to continue to make that block against those type of players. And then on top of that, he has got the hands to back it up. He's got the hand technique. For for those of you that don't know, is is obviously well, I'm sure not everyone knows because you see it all the time with holding penalties. You can't obviously hold on to a player, but you use your hands. You're you jab into him with, with your palms and you tr- you almost leverage your hands underneath his pads if you can get there to, to again, manoeuvre a player. His hands are always moving. They're always active. They're strong. And he, as I say, he's quick. He gets his hands engaged early to to dictate that how the, how the engagement with his defender is going to go. Is that is that what they call finishing on the line? when you get somebody off balance and you're able to drive them away from or along the lane that you've created, that's classed as finishing the play, right? Yeah, that or, or put them into the ground. Well, yeah, that's, put, put, yeah. put them on the ground, pancake them, drive them back <laughs> onto the ground, finishing the play, which it will come up a few times. Obviously, the thing with linemen, whether it's tackles, guards, centres, barring centre that's got a couple of additionals, their job is the same, is to protect the quarterback or it's to make the spaces. So a lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about tonight is is going to be repetitive for, for the players, but they're all very they're all different, they're all very different players. But you categorize offensive linemen on on a number of things. So but um but yeah, finishing plays is 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 a massive thing for offensive linemen. And and you see it, you see it even in the NFL where where linemen, as I said earlier, where they don't finish the play. The the player is they don't put the player into the ground or they disengage a little bit too early. When that happens, there is still a chance for a play to be made on the defensive side. Yeah. I've got a good idea, Nash, for Nash for next year. We need to come up with a scale for said players so when it comes to um you know finishing or athleticism because we don't want people to be put off by repetition we could say this guy is a eight out of ten for his hand placement um so when it comes to talking about for instance ikema kunu who we're going to get onto next he might not be quite as good in a couple of sections as evan neal is and that's why we have him above yeah, no, I think that's a great idea, and that is something that you do see from from a lot of analysts and a lot of a lot of well, NFL teams will definitely have some sort of metric that they have in place to to evaluate their linemen. I think that's a great idea. Adding some adding some grades and some stats behind the behind the uh, behind the information definitely. I, mean, I think it might give a bit of audio substance for those listening as well, just so that they mm. can say, well, you know, that's why he's second because he's only a seven at this, or I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's a great idea. I think before we get on to Kwanu, as you say, he is next. I mentioned it earlier. There are errors with everybody on this tape. There are things that they can do better. I think with with Neil, his game is is pretty is pretty solid. He's he's one of the one of the more well rounded of these, and the, just his his metrics, his physical metrics, are incredibly impressive. But a few things, I think. 
defenders can get under his pads sometimes because of how big he is. His he can get he his stance is is a good stance. He is low to the ground as possible, but he is a bigger guy. He's a tall guy, so there are times if a defender gets a jump off quicker than him, they can get under their pads. And as I say, doesn't matter how big and how strong you are. If you're off balance, if someone's underneath you and, if, if, and it's got a grip on your pads in the in the legal way, uh, sometimes not if it's not caught. But we, we, we try <laughs> we try and get away with that as much as possible. I'm, I'm not going to deny that you always you're always grabbing, but on both sides, it's it's a matter of the it's a matter of the uh, the game. So if you get caught, it's a problem. But yeah, it, if he gets if he, he, people can get him if they're quicker, if they if they reacted quicker, if they've got hold of his pads. That they they can move maneuver him out of the way or just move him, collapse the pocket. You don't just have to make a play by getting to the quarterback. If it's a passing play, and and, and an edge or a defensive tackle is pushing your offensive line into the pocket where the quarterback's going to be, they're doing their job then as well. They're disrupting that play, and the quarterback's going to have to make a play from that and make and it makes life dif- life difficult for them. So that's that's of something that I've noticed at times on his tape. And the other thing as well is um, is he. He is quick, but he does struggle against speed rushers at times. He doesn't always react quick enough to those speed rushers and struggles to make up for it if they have beaten him. Purely, again, because of his size. As I said, he can turn and he is his lateral movement can be impressive, but sometimes they can just sort of get a bit too quick and then they're gone. And I think the only other thing as well is um, he, he relies on his strength sometimes too much because he'll stop and he'll just look to overpower the 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 player the defender that he's engaging with rather than continuing to drive them back he'll just sort of just just keep them there and if and if a defensive lineman or a, or an edge or, or a lineback whoever it is that's that's um that's that's making that's trying to make the play they can they can use their their defensive moves to swing the um they can they can use those moves and, and get away from him and if he's obviously stationary, it's going to be a bit diff- more difficult for him to react. But you mentioned it earlier. I think he's certainly a lock for top three. And I have him going number one overall now. I'd be very surprised if if the Jags didn't take him number one overall. I think the realistically the only way that can happen now is is if, if, if someone else comes in at the number one spot. And even then, someone could easily trade up for this guy because... He could well be a starting left tackle pro bowler for a decade. And that's that's worth its weight in gold, as we've well, seen in exactly. recent years. And you've got here, weight ash has been a problem for him in the past. He yeah. has hit as high as 390 pounds, which is a, it's a huge amount of weight. Obviously, 6'7", it's not quite as obvious as it would be on a five-foot guy, but this is something he's probably going to have to manage in the pros you've got written down here is because... When you get that big, perhaps you can slow down a little bit. But I'm sure with NFL nutrition and weight and conditioning and stuff, he, he yeah. should be able to manage that. Yeah, it was earlier on in his career, but he, he has fluctuated his weight in extremes. 40 pounds from it is a lot. And he didn't put 40 pounds on in one go. He didn't go 350 to 390. It was gradual, but we saw an increase in his weight and then it, and then it dropped back down and it happened a couple of times. So yeah, it's just something that, that he will need to be mindful of because he's going to want to be in that that 350 range to be as effective as he can with the way that he plays. Sweet. Let's move on to number two. Ikem Akunu, as we mentioned, he is guard slash tackle from North Carolina State. 6'4", 310 pounds, so lightweight compared to Neil. He is a junior. Do we think he's going to play guard or tackle at the next level, Ash? 
I, I do think he'll settle into guard. Um, I put guard tackle because he played there at college. He's he's tested there. He he can go into tackle if needed, but I think his key his main area is as a guard. Um, that is that is where I see him long term. Okay, let's start with strengths as we always do. What's uh, Equino good at? I think first off, he is incredibly he's an incredibly smart player incredibly smart person he had offers from yale and harvard when he cool. when he was going into college um obviously he decided on nc state but he's got incredible football iq because of that he knows every play on the offensive side which you need to as an offensive line anyway but he he knows them inside and out but he can also read defensive plays incredibly well and this is one of those players where i was talking about at the start of the show about centers and, and a, a lineman calling the defensive plays calling the the blitzer and the, the Mike linebacker. He is incredible at that because he's got that football IQ. That's that's one of them. I think the main thing for me, for Ikwunu, that what makes his game so great is he is a mauler in the wrong game. He is hyper-aggressive. He's violent when he engages with the players. And he's also straight up into the second level to to, to, to look for that contact if it hasn't engaged uh, in the trenches on the run plays, it often happens. A guard's r- responsibility on certain run plays is to disengage from the defensive lineman and then engage at the next level with the linebacker to create that space for the for the running back. He he finishes every single play with the same aggressive nature that he starts to play and that he's at the start of the game. He's got an incredible motor. He he runs nonstop when he's in the run when he's in the run game. He's he's just got a motor that, that doesn't quit and that aggressive nature that he's got is there from start to finish. So what, what makes the difference between a mauler in the run game as opposed to somebody who's good on the offensive line in the passing game? A mauler is sort of, it, it, it's what it says. They're, they're, they're you, just... you're almost after a bulldozer in that case, right? Yeah. Just push the play out of the way. and, but, and... Yes, but, but they do it differently. They, they, they not only push the person out of the way but they they're aggressive they're violent with it they they put them in the ground they they forcibly move them or or sometimes two players sometimes because you you can get double teamed or uh, with defensive linemen and on the flip side you can double team defensive linemen as, as offensive linemen depends on the play but just the maulers just got that that added extra just the the grip between their teeth and you can see them forcibly moving someone and almost like they're about to engage in a fight they just ground and pounds as we as we say on the running back uh when we say about running backs they're ground and pound running backs linemen do that same thing they 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 push and they pull and they just overpower players and maul them basically i'm, I'm, I'm visualizing a grizzly bear with with Pretty teeth much, yeah. showing and drool, yeah. drool everywhere and okay cool so why do we have him at two what sort of weaknesses he got that perhaps he needs to to work on and it is evident that is something to to progress with there there isn't i mean there there are there isn't a great deal i think the main the main areas that i picked out for him is that aggressive nature can sometimes get the better of him especially when it comes to pass protection whereas you do need to when you do need to be a little bit more reserved um one who can step up a little bit too far with his explosive burst and allow those defenders to come on on the inside on the on the pass protection so he's just got to rein it back in a bit. Whereas on the run game, you can be aggressive because you're trying to make those gaps. On a pass protection, you're trying to keep that pocket clean. You're trying to keep that space and and 
move players and, and keep players out of there. And, but if he engages too aggressively and, and, and steps up too early, a, a defensive lineman and edge is going gonna, is gonna to make that play on the inside or, and sometimes on the outside and get past him. I guess the key, the key for me in that statement was when it comes to run blocking or pass protection, Mm-hmm. You, you. I think you have to be less aggression in your protection, but uh, yeah. for me, it uh, comes across that way. You need to be protective and less aggressive. But yeah. when you're blocking, rougher running, and there's still aggression needed in pass protection, course, obviously, because yeah. you've got somebody aggression. exactly, and it's the protection, yeah, that he maybe needs to work on. No, definitely, yeah. I think that's that. That's the main thing. And I think just his passing game overall, sorry, his pass protection game overall, it did improve greatly in 2021, but it is the techniques of something that he's going to have to work on at the next level to sort of get up with that elite run blocking ability that, that he has. Do, this is my naivety from the trenches coming through here, Ash. Do players get pulled in and out dependent on the play being called if they are specifically good at pass blocking or or pass protection or run blocking? Uh, not, or is it just I, a case of you're not as good at that as the other thing? I, yeah, I think it more, at the NFL level, from, from, from what I see, I think it's more that. It's just something that there isn't as strong for them. They work on it a little bit more in training, but they are they are typically a a run blocking offensive line rather than a rather than a pass protection. Um, I think you see it a little bit more at college. Obviously, bigger rosters, yeah, more rotation, um, and we're definitely seeing it at, at the um, at the amateur level. When I played, they, we did have players that were much better at pass protection than they were at run blocking. So that we would we would sometimes switch it, but predominantly. You, you're better at one, and you 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 train and you try and improve the other to 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 be good enough at the other to 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 um stay in to, to stay in basically. Yeah, it's very rare that you uh that you see a, an offensive lineman come in and or come in or out, mainly on specific plays that happens. Sure, sure thing. So draft prediction, Ash. Where where have we got Aquino going? I would say top ten, easy for me. Um, I'd be very, very shocked to see him drop out of the top 10. He's, as I say, he's a guard for me at the next level and he's a guard that can step in and start straight away. Okay, move on. Number three, somebody who's been getting a bit of traction recently and it's Charles mm. Cross, tackle from Mississippi State, six foot five, 310 pounds and is a sophomore. So he's coming out relatively early, right? He is, yeah. Um, and that is a good thing because obviously he is young and he's got a lot more time to develop at the next game. And I'll go straight into one of the weaknesses because it is, it is a weakness, but I'm not too concerned about it. He is only a two year starter. 2020 was, was a good year for him, but it wasn't great. 2021 was a great year for cross. This is how he's got onto the map and he's shown his true potential, but he is still relatively inexperienced and just what we've seen as a sample sample size I'm not overly concerned because what I have seen is is brilliant from him I think in particular pass protection I think he's one of the best I think he's one of if not the best pass blocker pass protector in this draft he's got all of the technique for that 
role that that you that you want down to a T. He's got elite hand placement. He rarely gets flagged for personal fouls because of holding. He recovers well when he's beaten and when he's initially beaten. I mentioned it about Neil earlier. If he does get beaten by those quicker line, uh, line those quicker linebackers or edges, that he struggles to react. I think is the opposite across. He is instant with his reaction, and he keeps the blocks alive as well. He keeps those plays alive for his quarterback. He'll keep the defender out of the pocket for as long as possible, or or if not, the whole play. What I'm hearing is, Ash, is the Giants should draft Charles Cross and Ikema <laughs> Kwono in the, in the first round with their early picks. I don't know whether you did that on purpose, Ash, but when you were talking about Charles Cross getting on the map, you know, there's always an X marks the spot on a map. Cross, <laughs> very well done. If you didn't mean it, I picked it up, but I enjoyed it if you did. I'm going to say I did mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> No, I think just a couple more strengths from him is um, it's, he's explosive. He's explosive off of the snap. He's, he's quick. He reacts instantly from the, from the snap. As I say, a lot of the time, regardless of what side you're on in the trenches, it comes down to that moment. When the ball is snapped, it's who reacts first. Cross is incredibly reactive to that and explosive to that. He's also very quick with his feet which allows him to keep moving with the edge rushers, whether that's that's pushing them around the outside of the of the of the pocket or as I say pushing them back. Um and he's rarely out leveraged. And what I mean by that is is essentially he's rarely taken off balance um when it comes to pass protection and and and, and protects the, the the pocket incredibly well. As I say, I think he's the best pass protecting lineman in this draft class. Good weaknesses we've got him at number three there must be something to put him here yes there are a couple of things i mentioned it he's obviously relatively inexperienced the other issue i i do see is he is quite lean for 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 the position he's got lean frame i think you do with adding more mass to his frame i mean he was 270 pounds two years ago but one thing that that you i do notice is i think he can add more but i don't think there's a great deal of room there for him for, for it to, to be added, if that makes sense. I think he's almost at his maximum mass, should we call it. But I think if he can, that is something I would like to see because he is relatively lean, which then carries over to the fact that he's not the strongest. I think he has got good strength and he's shown it at times that he can overpower linemen and, and, and rushers, but he, he's not got great strength and he doesn't physically overpower defenders. He uses the technique of the pass protection or and in the run game as well. Run game is another one. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's him. I don't, because it, I haven't seen it. He plays for Mississippi, played for Mississippi State. They run an air raid offense. He was involved with the most pass protect the most pass play snaps in college last year with 3000 sorry in his career with like over 3000 something but he's only ever been involved in under 400 snaps in 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 run play wow in in run play so very inexperienced very limited work in run blocking because Mississippi State didn't call for that so it's i would it's it's a weakness because it's an unknown we don't really know how Cross is going to perform consistently in the run block. Yeah, interesting. We mentioned this on the running backs issue where Jonathan Taylor and 
Brees Hall had so many touches and whether or not that was a negative on the NFL level after the, how many touches and Rich piped up in, uh, it's probably a bad way of saying it. Rich came into the group chat and said, actually great. Listen, boys was a little nugget of information. The players with more touches actually are less injury prone in the NFL than. So I wonder if this, although this probably comes down to technique and practice and yeah. game time snaps that we just, is it a weakness? Yes, because we haven't seen him do it. But is it a weakness that could be corrected? If he does it for 400 snaps in the NFL and is better, then yes. Yeah, definitely. Ash, draft projection. You've got him first round. Whereabouts? Yeah, I have got him first round. And I would I would say he's top 15. Um, I think after Ekwonu and after Neil, I think he's the next guy up for me. I think he's the second best tackle. Again, he's another guy that can go in and start straight away. He can and he can start left or right if he lands in the right area. He can be he can be transitioned over to the right tackle, or he can stay where he's played predominantly at at left tackle. But yeah, easily top fifteen for me. I think he. uh, I think I'd be very surprised if he goes lower than that. Sounds like he'd do himself a job in the NFL, that's for sure. At number four, we have our first centre, Tyler Linderbaum. Iowa, yeah. six foot two, 296 pounds, is a junior. What makes him the best centre this year, Ash? Yeah, clear best centre as well. And the only centre that we'll be talking about tonight, um, there are a few others, but they're they're mid-round picks, so they won't be they won't be raised tonight. I think Lindenbaum is the clear number one centre in this draft class, and for me, he is very quick out of his stance and with his footwork. I mentioned it earlier as a centre, not only have you got to concentrate on snapping the ball but calling the defensive plays, but you've also got to snap that ball and react straight away. And he yeah. is he's quick at that, and he's got incredible mobility to move when the player is alive along the line and in the open field and make those run block plays and, and, and manoeuvre within the within the trenches to, to keep the pocket alive. <clears throat> and a lot of that comes down to how quick you can react out, out of his stance and get into get into position, lock himself in, um, whether he needs to go pass or, or run block. He's also got all of the blocking techniques down. He understands the blocks very well. He positions himself well, as I mentioned earlier. He uses angles he uses the angles and leveraging to his advantage to make up for what you said at the what, what you mentioned his size and his weight earlier. He uses the techniques of blocking and the angles and leveraging players to make up for his size. Would would you not consider that then him to have a good football IQ based on the leverage because he understands what the defender is going to do and can use his leverage knowledge to create a good play for him on the offensive line thus meaning he has good IQ on the football side of things yeah definitely uh yeah yeah it definitely does you need to you need to know how to how to leverage a player what where where you put your hands how, what you do with your feet with a kick step and and how you move in within uh, and around the pocket and that does come down to football IQ as as much as it does come down to obviously training. But you 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 need to know how to do it and how to read how a defender is going to react as well. Absolutely, it's. I feel like we need Ash the podcast where we break down all of these things that are talked yeah, about. With that, that you said kick step. 
people might not know what I have no idea what a kickstep is. And and this is this is not me, this isn't a slight on you because you've done it and I haven't. But that I, I wonder if there is a thirst out there and there is a real I can't drop any sort of spoiler alert on this, but there is something coming which I think, Ash, you and I as a Q and A will be perfect for what's coming up. So I, yeah. that's all I'm going to say, and you don't even know what I'm talking about. No, I'll tell you after. <laughs> but Rush Nation, there's something coming in the pipeline which I think Ash and I can break down perhaps some jargon and lingo from the game that not only you'll learn from, I'll learn from as well, Ash. So I think, that's, I think that could be well worth us having a go at. But then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nick your last point, Ash. You've got Elite Pass Protector here because mm. he's only allowed two sacks in three years. Yeah. That is... I don't know what's more impressive, Source Gardner not allowing a touchdown, considering he's not involved in every play, or Tyler Linderbaum only allowing two sacks in three years when he's snapping the ball every single time. Yeah, exactly, and and in the Big Ten as well, which have have known to have incredible defenses. So yeah, it's it, it says it says a lot about him without watching him, just of how how good he is at that pass protection role, with just how few sacks he's given up. Absolutely. Weaknesses. Why is he not the best player, considering how important a centre is? The first thing, and I mentioned it earlier, is his size. He is a smaller player for not only the centre, but the the offensive line. He's got average strength. He doesn't physically impose defenders like the same as I mentioned about Charles Cross earlier. It's even more so for Lindenbaum because he's 6'2", because he's 296 pounds just he is he hasn't got that size that you typically want to see from a from a center and from an offensive lineman you've mm-hmm. got to add that in there as i say as i said earlier i think he's smart enough and he knows the game and the techniques well enough to overcome that at least he did at college can he do that at nfl with these elite defenders and these nfl defenders that are going to be in front of him i think yes but we do have to see that to to obviously know for sure um, he does play high, um, and what I mean by that is when you when you're in your stance, when you when you need to be as low to the ground as possible, so the defenders cannot get underneath you, as I mentioned earlier, and then move you around. He does play high, which allows rushers and defensive linemen to get under his pads and move him about. And he'll come, I, I'm going to come back to it a lot because it's one of the key things when it comes to offensive linemen. If you get someone in on their pads underneath them, because if you, if you obviously, uh, I'm sure a lot of you know how and what the the football pads look like, but they've got if you get them underneath on the chest plate in particular or just under the shoulders, you don't have to it, hold them. You can use your palms, and you've got as much control as you want then to just move the player around. And he plays high. If you're not watching the video, you've just missed <laughs> a classic moment of action. Ash using his hands to almost be a robot in moving the yeah. the pads around, and I, and I guess that when you watch the videos of linemen practicing, especially against the dummies when they're in a rack and they put their and they explode up and their hands always go up. I'm yeah. assuming that's getting into I mean, yeah. I did it as well. So if you're not watching on the video, you really <laughs> missed out here. Uh, okay, anything else weakness wise before we get to draft projection? Yeah. So again, similar to Ekwanu earlier, he sort of plays at 100, 100% every single snap, <clears throat> which means 
he can rush out a bit too soon in the in the run blocking game in particular and sort of overrun plays. And and of course, when you do that, defenders pass you and they're, and they're going to blow up the, the the running game, the run play instantly. So he just needs to rein it back in slightly so he's in the right area to make the right engagement and not and not overshoot the mark. And as a draft projection, Ash, you've got him here as a first-round talent. Yeah. And it says he may fall to the second due to centre value. Yeah. Why, when it's such an integral piece of the offensive line, the centre's so undervalued? I just, I don't know. I can't explain it, but they just, they just are. They just seem to be. And I just don't get it because they're so few and far between because it is a... It is a specialised position. Not everyone can snap a ball. It is harder than you think to be yeah, well, able to you've snap only, a ball. You've just got to take one down the park and try and throw it backwards between your legs. Exactly. It's almost impossible. I just don't, I, so I don't get it. But in recent history, at least anyway, the centre it value in the draft does seem to go a bit... Yeah, it, just, it does seem to be a bit undervalued. So he is 100% a first-round talent. He's the clear best centre in this draft class. And I would say he he was the best centre if he'd have come out last year in that draft class as well. But I just I just think he's going to be in the second round because of the fact that he is a centre. Gotcha. Let's move on to number five. We've got Kenyon Green, guard from Texas A and M, six mm. foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds, and is a junior. Yeah. Versatile. Kenyon Green, versatility. There yeah. we go. That is the big. The big plus for Kenyon Green, in my opinion, one of well, one of the big plus. He has played every position on the line. No, no this does not count. One it does count. Does yeah, it counts. Count. <laughs> if he's taken a snap at center, he's played center. He's played at every position on the line. But no, so he has played left guard, right, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. And the fact that they that they had confidence in a game to allow him, yes, to take one singular snap while the the starting center was out. He knows that position. He can do it. He won't <laughs> that he won't play centre at the next level. However, we've seen it before. Two starting a starting centre and his backup could go out and get injured in a game. Uh, and it's not often that a roster has more than two out and out centres. So he has got that there if they need it to to play in centre. He's got that versatility. He can line up wherever you want him to. Now he hasn't got the size that you would love to see for a tackle. But at Texas A&M, he's shown that he can play that. I think he did a, a year at tackle and he's done a couple of years at guard. But again, in all four of those positions. So his versatility is a massive plus for any team that's looking at him. He's also incredibly disciplined when it comes to pass protection. He doesn't shoot out the defenders or overextend himself to be out of position. He plays low to the ground, which which doesn't allow the, the the rushes to get under his pads and and to make those those plays to to, to get around them. Um, and he's got the good size and frame for a guard that you want to see. He's and on top of that, he's got incredible athleticism to add it up. He he moves like a he moves like a um, he moves like a, a rusher at times with the way that he the way that he bursts out and that he's moving up and down the field, um, and he's got the strength to add to that. I think the only the only issue that I have is just how poor he showed out in the in the combine. I think if you if you purely looked at his combine stats, it is it is really disappointing. He's his he only made, he only did twenty bench press. He 
I don't think his 40 time was that good. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was like five, six, eight or something like that. Um, but yeah, he really didn't show out in the combine, which I was very surprised to see because from tape, I think he's one of the most athletic linemen in the 2022 class, but we just didn't see it for whatever reason. Maybe he was carrying a knock. Maybe he just didn't want to push himself too hard. I don't know. Well, so I rushed through that, but I'm just no, no, no. <laughs> I'm it, conscious it, of time already. We've done five and we're 50 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go long today, Rush Nation. It's, it's, I suppose it's bread and butter for us now, Ash. And our podcast is almost a treat if you manage to. Yeah. We can, we can keep going and see what happens. With maybe, like you say, it was a bad day, and hopefully, people are you know, the NFL scout doesn't just turn up at the combine and watch him and say, Well, that was terrible. You can't possibly, you know, there is tape out there, and I'm assuming that his tape is good enough to perhaps possibly make up for his down mm-hmm. misgivings at the combine, shall we say? Any weaknesses that he needs to work on? Yeah, much like Ekwanu earlier, he's an, he's an elite run blocker, uh, but he needs to continue to develop his pass protection. Um, it's improved this year in particular, 2021, but he does still need to work on his technique, like continuing to move when he's engaged with a player. He just sends, he does stand his ground rather than continuing to try and move the player around. Um, I think that just those those techniques in the pass protection, <clears throat> sorry, need to need to be worked on. And as well, I think although he played, I, I mentioned it at the start. I think although he played tackle at college and they'll like his versatility. I do think um, long-term we'll see him as a guard because he doesn't have the the arm length that you'd like, that you want from a tackle. We're definitely going to need a podcast on, to, on, on some things because I've no idea why you need a long arm at tackle. <laughs> I'm guessing it's something to do with leverage, Ash. Yeah. We've, we've, uh, you've got Kenyon Green going in the first round. Top half. Yeah, I would say so. Again, I think... I would be very surprised to see him go below mid twenties just because no, sorry, early twenties because of the fact of the talent that he's shown out, the fact he's versatile and, and everybody needs an O lineman. And I mentioned it about centers earlier, but I think showing what happened to Burroughs last year, maybe is going to add some value that we haven't seen from, from, from lineman before, but or, or it will depreciate linemen because you can get to maybe. the Super Bowl when you don't have any lines. So. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Although maybe. the Bengals have just gone out and made a huge signing in, in, in free agency to try and protect Joe Burrow. Zion Johnson is up next. Guard from Boston Colland. He, Colland, College. He is 6'3", 310 and a senior ash. Strength for Zion Johnson. Yeah. Big bodied, athletic. He blends the size that he is for a guard with the movement and the speed of an edge rusher, which he played edge rush along with guard at Boston College in 2019. He he did he played both sides of the ball. Oh my He's, goodness me. Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't I haven't seen the the snap percentages of what he played edge, but he did play edge for them in 2019 as well. So he has got that athletic capability on top of his size. For, for the guard position, definitely. And his lower body mechanics are, are right up there with everybody. It allows him to be to be flexible as well as being sound in his in his in his base. He's strong lower body and how flexible he is just allows him to maneuver around and and get to get to those areas that, that you don't normally see big alignment get to. Uh, he's also got great hands. He connects with the defenders and keeps his hands on them all pretty much all times both hands engaged but but legally as as far as we can see at least anyway 
Um, and he's also quick, as I mentioned earlier. He's quick with his um, with his movement and, and precise with his movement. He he doesn't take unnecessary steps, um, and he's quick to to get into the position that he needs to be, whether that's in the run game or the or the the pass protection. And he again plays low to the ground and he anchors himself. By anchoring himself, I mean put put your foot behind you and, and stop someone pushing your back, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I figured as much. Yeah. When uh, when we talk about weaknesses for Zion Johnson, why have we got him where we have? Because he is. I think the the the, the main thing is his pass protection. It does need work, much like um, much like um. Oh, my mind's gone blank. We spoke about him earlier. Um. Much like Cross with the limited work in the run um, game. Um, uh, Ash has gone, everybody. See, I have. My mind's gone. Yeah, much like um, Cross in the run game, Johnson has not had as much experience. Well, has not had as much experience in the pass protection, and it's, it's one of the things that he needs to work on. Um, again, he, he he looks to plant himself down rather than continuing to move and he can get caught out on his leverage because of that because he's he's standing still trying to overpower someone rather than trying to move them back and continue moving his legs himself um and he does struggle to read plays um he can sometimes look lost so there's a you, you you're given a particular assignment from every offensive player as, a, as an offensive lineman You've got a designated person that you're going to need to engage with most of the time, whether that's a double team or a single, or in or if you're if you're pushing up um, into the open field for a run play. There are times where he seems to have he loses his assignment or he forgets who his assignment is, and he just he needs he's he's then just looking for someone to block, and by that point the play is dead. Um, and that is mainly because he is re- still relatively young, um, and he is also one of the more inexperienced linemen because he was a zero star recruit that joined the FCS um, and he had no offers from F- FBS schools. Um, and he said he, he was at Boston college for two years. I think he got, he so eventually he got, he got shown, I think he played for Davidson in the FCS. He played, he, he balled out there and got an offer from Boston college and he's been there for two years, but that, lack of experience at top level at top tier competition and at top tier programs is a negative on him because he still is trying to develop his game gotcha he is our first second round prospect Ash. yes yeah yeah second round for me i think he's he's got he shows everything that you want to see from a guard but as i say this he needs to work on his pass protection and he is inexperienced so he just needs to develop overall but the 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 talent is certainly there for us for a second round pick for me well that's fair i him being lost is a slight concern for me i'm not sure that's ever something i want from my nfl yeah and it's it's not it's not often but it's often enough to to that 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 i noticed it that lost is a strong word he's He just seems, as I say, he 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 is almost like he's looking for someone to block rather than already knowing where he should be blocking. You need to make that decision in a split second, whether it's on the designated play and you're given a particular assignment, or if it's on a play where you just need to get out and block someone. 
just seems to sometimes take needs to take that extra second to to decide where he's going. Okay. Let's move on to somebody I have heard of, and that's Trevor Penning, <laughs> tackle from Northern Iowa, six foot seven, three hundred and twenty-five pounds as a junior. Ash's first strength is that Penning is a big boy. Yeah, he's he's a big boy along the same sort of lines as Evan Neal, slightly smaller on the size and on the but I think you look at him, you wouldn't say he's that much smaller in terms of his his frame than Evan Neal. And he has all the measurements and all the metrics that you want from a tackle, 6'7", 320 plus pounds. But he's also got athleticism and the arm length, which I mentioned earlier, to back that up, to be a starting NFL tackle from, from day one. Um, he's also quick on his step off when it comes to stepping out from the, on the snap and, and or stepping back in into the into the pocket that allows him to move into position and set himself against oncoming rushes before they before they've even reacted. He's he's there. He's ready to engage because you don't in, prote- in pass protection. You you know you, you're you're ready to engage, but you're not going to always be looking for the defender you're waiting for them almost to engage because you're trying to keep that pocket hole run games you are looking to engage with a player to push them back obviously and it's the opposite in pass protection so he's there he's quick to react off the snap and to get himself positioned and to get himself ready for for the engagement and he finishes opponents off he he's a big guy he dominates people and he puts them in the ground he pancake them or he'll he'll push them backwards onto the floor and just sort of just grounds them, grounds and pounds them, basically. Because you can't do anything if you're on the floor, right? Exactly. It's there is a from the list we've read out so far, Ash. It seems that most players are better at one thing or another. Is yes. that is that a sort of standard for players who play guard and tackle? I. Yeah, I would say so. You, you're always going to have those players and they are the players that end up being elite tackles and elite guardsmen, guards at the next level because they are um, they are brilliant at both. But they're so demanding, both pass protection and run blocking, to learn and understand the differences between them, the different techniques, the different plays, that a lot of players do end up being a lot better at one than the other. It's just... it's. It's always it's always going to happen. It's like trying to it's like trying to go and take on two jobs that are completely different at the same time and work both of those jobs and know them at the same time. It just some it's just it's very it's very rare to find someone that can do that. And when you do, they're the players that that are top tier players that that make it. Gotcha. Weaknesses but, for Trevor Penning. Yeah, I think balance is the glaring issue for me. <clears throat> understandably yeah it's understandable at times because of his size like i said about neil he's a they're, they're taller guys so they're gonna get caught out on their on the engagement because of the just how how tall they are you can get as low to the ground as you want but if you're six seven you might have two or three inches on someone and that it could be a massive factor so Balance is one thing that I've noticed because he gets out leveraged and he gets in. They're basically they've engaged with him so low, and he is obviously playing higher because he is a bigger player that that he can get caught off balance, and that is one thing that has stood out for me. 
again, as I said at the start of the show, it is a glaring issue because it, it's come up in his tape enough times to be seen, but it's not consistently happening. So it's a weakness that, but I think it, I don't think it's ever something that he's going to be able to fully get over. I think he's going to be able to improve his technique enough to counter it more often than not, but it will still yeah. be there because of how big he is. Yeah. And I, and it might, from, from your next point as well, it's, it sounds like you've got here that he comes up immediately to snap can play mm-hmm. high. So maybe that's just how he plays that position. And it's so ingrained into his, Definitely, yeah. Because what what you want to do is when you are when the when the snap's taken, obviously you're, you're almost you're essentially you're sat back in in a you're almost, you're doing a squat every single time uh, almost in when you're when you're ready when you're getting set for a, for a play. What he's doing and what you are taught to do is to push is to basically power out into a defender. And what he's doing, he's doing that, but because obviously he's taller. He's coming up quickly and obviously trying to engage, but because he's coming up so quickly and he's already quite tall, it just allows them to get un- to get underneath him, which is then what causes him to go off balance. And that then a player can get inside, they can spin. You don't see many, you don't see many rushes spin and spin move. That's a that is a something that is a ridiculously hard thing to 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 get to get used to, which is why you don't see it very often. But the, the Russia can then do all of their techniques, which we'll get onto in in the um, when we do the linemen, um, and it just allows them to, to to beat him because of that. Okay. Anything else from weakness side for our boy Trevor? Yeah, um, lack of top level competition. We we mentioned it about Johnson. His was slightly different because eventually he went to an FBS school. However, Trevor Penning has spent his whole career, his whole college career at North and Iowa, who were in the FCS. So he's not been tested against those top tier defenders. So that is always that is always a concern when it comes to any player that is taking the next step up. Most, some of them are good enough, and I do think Trevor Penning, he has shown his potential and his talent. That, that will far outweigh the fact that he hasn't played against top level competition, but it does have to be something that you that, that we need to be mindful of. Those North Dakota state players are really <laughs> bugged right now, Ash. Okay, I love them. <laughs> You've got him as a second round prospect as well. Yeah, and to be honest, I think he might even be pushing into first round now. I'm seeing him being being spoken about in first round as well, and that wouldn't surprise me. But I think if I had to put money on it, I see him second round. Okay, okay, maybe a bit overhyped on the on the Trevor Penning hype train. Finally, rounding out our list today is Bernhard Rahman, yeah. guard I'm... tackle from Central Michigan. Go Chippewas, six foot six, three hundred and five pounds, and is a senior. He is indeed, and I think the first thing for him is he is incredibly agile. He's incredibly athletic for a lineman. And that will be because the fact that he played wide receiver and tight end before he became a lineman. But we'll get onto that a bit more later on. He is very athletic. He's very agile. He's always moving. His feet are always moving. And he keeps his hands busy and quick at all times. He's constantly moving around and he's constantly engaging and and pushing out at the defender's and he uses his weight and uh, to to stay balanced and in control because yes he is he is undersized 
I'll get on to weakness now because it does correlate. He's undersized for a tackle, and I think that's why I put guard tackle because I think he'll move into guard at the next level. But he's able to use, he's able to move his, well, move himself around to to keep himself balanced and in control. Um, he's also able to the knock the knock rushes off their line and disrupt the defensive plays, just because of again how quick and and how quick he can react to a play and, and react to to engaging with a player, um, and he's got the power behind him to to drive defenders back and move them around. The smaller players, like the like like linebackers and the the the, the smaller edge rushers and, and linemen, but he he has shown that he can do it against against defensive tackles as well. And the last strength, which should probably be obvious considering I said he played wide receiver and tight end, but it, his reactions. He reacts well to the snap. He fires out his stats. His movement is fluid, including his lateral movements. But that will come down to his previous experience playing playing um, tight end and wide receiver. And it is it is really apparent that he did that because of just how quick he can he, he reacts to the to the snap on of the ball. So you've got that down as a weakness, though, Ash. Tell me about this skill position playing for. Yeah, I've got it down as a weakness because out of everyone we've spoken about tonight. It, Raymond Ray, Raymond is the most inexperienced and raw, because but and that's despite the fact that he is one of the older rookies. He's twenty five already by the time that he gets into the NFL, <clears throat> because he's from Austria originally. He's relatively new to football. He went back to Austria. He went into the military for six months before returning to Central Michigan in twenty eighteen. He started out. Before he so he played at high school um, and I think he did one semester or one year at college as a wide receiver. Went to Austria, come back, then played tight end. Before he then moved to left tackle for two years, he's only had eighteen starts as a tackle, and I think he only had sixteen starts as a wide receiver and a tight end. So he's incredibly raw and and inexperienced when it comes to a lot of the players around him. But it just makes how well he has already developed even more impressive because you wouldn't really know that if you watched him in a normal play and a normal game it's only if you dig into his tape that you can see some of those fundamental techniques and expectations that you have from linemen are sometimes not there but as i say i think just his his overall potential and his overall talent that he's shown is why he is in conversation tonight and why I've got him and why we've got him ranked where we do. I Another, would, just before you, you get to the next point, I would like to speak to Mr. Ryman's uh, family, if you're listening. He's the kind of guy who could be designated a receiver from the line <laughs> on a trick play. So get your money on your boy yeah. scoring a touchdown in his NFL career because I think that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, definitely. If, if anyone's going to do it, if Ryman's playing, it's going to be him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A weakness in uh, one of uh, one of the main ones for me is his his lateral movement. I mentioned earlier that his movement is fluid, but it, his lateral movement does need work. He can be beaten by the speed rushes on the outside, just with the way that he is almost positioning his body and how he's moving to get into position. Just as is just gets beaten a lot on the on the outside. And as I said earlier, he's undersized for a tackle, which he's played. He's only played. I've I've not seen him play guards. I don't obviously. I've not watched every single minute of his of his college career, but I've only ever seen him line up at tackle 
and he just isn't a tackle for me at the next level. If he will need to add more weight, full stop, if he wants to be a starting guard at, at the very least, but he just doesn't have the he just doesn't have the metrics to play tackle for me, and, and the overall power to play tackle for me. Well, that's so, fair. He, as long as he bulks up a bit, he, he his his skill yeah. set will slide him in for a guard quite nicely. Yeah, definitely. So. And, I, and and as I said earlier, he's in he's on this list because of what he's already shown. He is he is a good offensive lineman with the with the with the skills to already play in the NFL. I would like to see a year as a backup before he becomes a full time starter, but. He's already. He's already. I think he could. He could quite. He quite easily step onto an NFL NFL field on day one and play. But I just think he needs a bit more time to develop to iron out some of those things that you expect to see from an inexperienced player. Well, that makes sense. And we've, you've got him down as a second and third round draft pick. Yeah, I think if I think it, it, it's more likely third round that someone might see the raw potential there and the and the fact that they can mould him to how they want and potentially take a swing at him in the second round. That makes sense. That's going to uh, wrap up today's list, Rush Nation. Ash, there are obviously many more linemen that we could have talked about today. I, I will give listeners and, and viewers an insight. At one point, I had 15 names on here, and I was conscious that we would go over an hour with eight, and I am absolutely bang on. So we could have been here for two or three hours quite easily. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. If there is a big response to this rationation, if you do want us to do a lineman part two, because as we stated at the start of the show, Ash, the line doesn't get enough love. No, Rush Nation, if you want to, if you want to get involved with the offensive line, love, I have no qualms in doing another one because a, this has been one of my most enjoyable shows because I have learned so much. B, Ash clearly has a passion for this position, and you can hear it when he talks about it. And C, there's just more linemen we should be talking about. Yeah, so there's, exactly. There's well. three points to to listen to another show. So if there is an outpouring of love. For the offensive line, let us know. At Five Yard College, it's the Twitter. Or if you want to let the bigger brothers over at Five Yard Rush know, it's at Five Yard Rush. Either of them or Five Yard Dynasty. If you're a Dynasty listener and you're listening because they don't cover the offensive line in enough detail, you've got the deets right here. Hit them up. Let them know. They'll speak to us and we'll do more offensive line. Ash, what do you reckon, my friend? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I would be more than happy to do more offensive fly. There's a six foot nine guy that I loved last year that didn't declare that we haven't even spoken about. So I could I say I could easily talk <laughs> for two or three hours. Ash, Daniel am... Lele for anyone that don't know who I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> hang on. I thought you were going to hang that nah, up. No. Listen, we, we do have a schedule in place, Rush Nation. So if there is love for the more offensive line talk, it would be a bonus pod. Ash mm-hmm. and I are more than happy to do that for you because. It's that time of the year where we just love to get together and talk about football. Ash, as I mentioned, this has been one of my favourite shows because I've hugely enjoyed listening to your passion for the <laughs> offensive line. So thank you ever so much, my friend. No, I've uh, really enjoyed it. It's been it's been great fun tonight, as it always is. But yeah, it's that little that little bit extra for me tonight. I've really, really enjoyed it. And it'll probably be the same again in a few weeks when we talk about the defensive line. 
Oh, I'm looking forward to it already. Rush Nation, if you are interested in player profiles, head over to the website because we've got them dropping thick and fast now. There's plenty of other fantasy content if you're involved in that as well. Ash and I will be back at some point next week. But from Ash, my favourite guardsman, Saturdays are for rushing too. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.